Hey everyone, uh, back with the first podcast in 2022, and what a way to start off the year. I mean, there's so many new acquisitions, I couldn't even keep up. You know, I've been uh, quite busy with my work, and I was just wondering, you know, if and when I should actually return to my podcast. Um, maybe I'll just stop, or maybe I'll continue. But then, you know, so much good news dropped, and I was like, well, there's plenty of reasons to be talking about the games industry now, though. But I guess before I start, I'm just going to say that all the reporting that I'm about to talk is sourced from the links attached in the show notes. And, you know, all the opinions and speculations, if I have, uh, are just my own and I don't have any insider knowledge whatsoever when I'm talking about this. I'm only saying this just to cover all my bases. You know, I sort of work in the industry now, so I just want to make sure that it's clear. So you've all seen the title of this podcast, and let's just start with the basic question. Number one, what is this deal exactly? Well, this is the largest acquisition in the games industry to date, and that's it's that Microsoft will be acquiring Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. That will be paid out with a $95 per share agreement representing a 69% premium over Activision Blizzard's January 17th closing price of $65.39 cents per uh, dollars per share um, of course this deal must have been in the works for quite some time i would imagine so when the whole scandal with activision blizzard being sued by the state of california over work discrimination you know the company's shares dropped from around hundred dollars to around the 60s to 70s um, and to give you guys a bit more context of why this deal was so monumental in terms of microsoft's own acquisitions this deal fares the biggest at the you know near $69 billion mark. Uh, their second largest acquisition was LinkedIn at $26.2 billion. And in terms of their own gaming purchases, the next would obviously be the next biggest would obviously be Zenimax at $7.5 billion. And from a long time ago, if you remember, they also bought Mojang, which is a studio that made uh, Minecraft for $2.5 billion. Now, in terms of other big acquisitions made in recent history, IGN has a pretty cool article that I'm going to be linking down below, listing the companies that has made uh, pretty big acquisitions in the past. So AT&T bought Time Warner for $85.4 billion, and that was in 2018. And Disney bought 21st Century Fox for $71.3 billion in 2019. Take two. Uh, bought Zynga for $12.7 billion, which was the biggest gaming acquisition, and they only held that title for one week before Microsoft announced their acquisition. Uh, Tencent bought Supercell for $8.6 billion in 2016. Then, just, of course, last week, uh, Sony announced that they're buying Bungie for $3.6 billion, but I'll be talking about that acquisition in a future episode, so stay tuned for that one. So, moving on to question number two, what does it mean for Xbox? Again, to recap a bit, $95 per share at $68.7 billion value in all cash consideration. The expected close for the deal is fiscal year 2023, which means, you know, sometimes between July 2022 and June 2023. I expect the latter part of the fiscal year, though. So when the deal does close, Activision Blizzard will then be reporting to Phil Spencer, CEO of Microsoft Gaming. And when that deal is done... Xbox will now own all of Activision Blizzard's IPs, and to just name drop some of the biggest, that would include Call of Duty, Candy Crush, Crash Bandicoot, Diablo, Hearthstone, uh, Overwatch, Spyro, Starcraft, Tony Hawk, and World of Warcraft. 
of course, the big question everyone had that day when this was announced was that what was going to happen with um, these games, which was previously on all platforms? Are they going to be Xbox exclusives now? Um, I've seen some responses from games journalists, uh, analysts, and reporters uh, to making their claims. For example, Jeff Grubb at uh, VentureBeat said that Warzone will remain multi-plat while main Call of Duty line will go exclusive. Uh, and the same sentiment kind of coming from Tom Warner at The Verge saying that, you know, the previous deal with ZeniMax at $7.5 billion proved that Microsoft isn't here chucking money to solve their problems to then just release games on all platforms. There is a precedence, uh, precedence on this type of situation. But what most are saying is for sure that this was about um, their Xbox Game Pass. And that was what was on their minds when thinking about this whole deal. Um, Microsoft, or more specifically Phil Spencer, the GigaChad here, saw the problem Xbox had, was, which was with the, the games. And so that in his vision with Game Pass and thought, you know, we need games and there is a service, Game Pass, uh, and... Uh, which would need the games to live on. So, of course, buying up the studios with you know very solid footing in in all fronts there is the fastest way to solve the problem. Quite literally, throwing money at the problem, albeit throwing money in the correct direction. The money lost from you know the potential PlayStation uh, sales will be made up, seen well, will be seen as you know being made up as an investment or you know marketing cost or whatever you want talk about in that direction uh, to, you know, promote Game Pass and its offerings. Game Pass, which just so happens uh, they announced the same time of the acquisition, now has 25 million subscribers. That is 7 more million subscribers than the company reported a year ago in January of 2021. And in an interview recently Phil Spencer had with uh, Wall Street Journal, he talked about how there were many people at Xbox who were against the idea of Game Pass and thought that it wouldn't work, but then he was at the center of, of this whole idea of pushing the strategy forward. He quite literally wouldn't take no for an answer and said that they will definitely be finding a way no matter what. And, you know, this is what I sort of said on Twitter, uh, that Phil Spencer is Microsoft's best investment in Xbox. Like, a really good leader with a good vision, but also has the leadership skills to execute on that vision is very hard to find. And quite frankly, I've not seen many say this um, or, you know, said the same type of sentiment. But I think we should all be a little bit worried um, when Phil eventually decides to step down because uh, that was also mentioned by Xbox that he is going to be looking for someone to take over um, in the future for him. Phil is also, um, of course, a masterclass as, as, uh, at presenting all of this and everything in a way where, you know, consumers uh, think that it's a good thing. Quite frankly, that's, you know, it is true. Game Pass is quite literally the best deal to play games that you can find. That's just a flat fee uh, every month. Uh, the image of consumer first and for the consumers is what's pushing the goodwill onto the Xbox brand. Uh, and this deal is no, no different, I, I think. Granted, the sheer size of this deal has people calling for concern, some valid as well, I've, I've read but that can be covered in another episode. Um, the other thing to consider besides Game Pass is that how Activision Blizzard is set up to cover some of Xbox's current missing areas besides just games. 
This opinion comes from Chris Dring at gamesindustry.biz, where he commented that there's two significant additions Activision Blizzard give to Xbox. First is Blizzard, uh, as it remains one of the biggest names in PC games development. With that, you get World of Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch. And you can, you can also say that it's also an increase in the esports uh, viability side with uh, Overwatch, Hearthstone, and Call of Duty. And perhaps they uh, could even revive Heroes of the Storm if that's something they have in their minds. But yeah, the uh, PC titles here would definitely bolster their PC Game Pass offering, which currently is lacking in comparison to the console side. Now, the other addition he mentions is about King. Microsoft had a presence in PC before uh, Blizzard, but uh, mobile has remained elusive to the company and smartphones are going to be vital for Microsoft to reach the billions of players they want it to be able to reach, particularly in currently uh, untapped territories like India. So through King, it has one of the most powerful mobile developers and publishers in the world, bringing in not, brand, not just brands like Candy Crush, but also the expertise to develop more. That and Call of Duty Mobile is also huge in Asian markets. Xbox has been pushing xCloud and putting that technology to work on phones as well. I think there is a potential for stronger mobile development of games with the help of xCloud and now adding Game Pass on phones as well. Um, by the way, even when this deal closes, Xbox would actually still only be the third biggest in terms of gaming revenue after Tencent at number one and Sony at number two, which is kind of funny. They went on from the fourth to now the third, surpassing Nintendo. Uh, but that's, again, with today's uh, kind of valuations. All in all, this deal isn't closed yet, and there's definitely still uncertainties um, out there, which I will discuss in the next topic. But to close this one off, I'll just say that, uh, like all really big deals, um, you know, the deal with uh, Disney and Fox, the U.S. government is going to be taking a closer look at this deal for sure. Uh, you know, with like maybe like antitrust questions and all that. And even though I think it'll get the okay despite getting scrutinized and, you know, have the eye poked in, uh, there's always a chance where it doesn't make it through. I, I, I wouldn't know there. Now we need to discuss the other party in this deal, and that is question number three. What does it mean for Activision Blizzard? Well, uh, as we all know, the company has been embroiled in quite some scandals ranging from Blizzard's frapway culture, and then later on Activision's equally toxic work culture, all resulting to have the state of California sue the company. So what will this mean for the company and its employees in this, you know, 12 to 8 months of waiting for the deal to come to a close, you might ask? Uh, the truth is that it's likely that Microsoft can't really do anything about Activision Blizzard's corporate hierarchy until the purchase is complete. But still many employees took to Twitter to communicate um, and vent their anger and fear with the lack of removal of the current CEO, Activision Blizzard, Bobby Kotick. Uh, they're concerned that their voices will be stifled by the company's purchase. Now, Phil Spencer did allude to the situation over at Activision Blizzard in his post saying, quote, as a company, Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming among both employees and players, we deeply value individual studio cultures. We also believe that creative success and autonomy go hand in hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. We hold, we hold all teams and all leaders to this commitment. We're looking forward to extending our culture of proactive inclusion 
to the great teams across Activision Blizzard, end quote. And next, Dina Bass at Bloomberg reported that behind the scenes in this deal, Bobby Kotick didn't want to sell the company and had actually his hands tied in this matter by his board of director with, because since, you know, all the native attention and pressure that's been building up on him. Um, and instead of owning up uh, to his own failures as the CEO of the company that he has spent 30 years running while trying to hide all this uh, bad stuff going on, he tries to spin it as how his employees couldn't ship Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 on time, and that it was because the latest Call of Duty didn't perform as usual. And though, yes, there's some light at the end of this tunnel, which, according to Wall Street Journal uh, sources, Body Kodak is expected to leave once the deal closes, and the whole company will be reporting to Phil Spencer, the bad news is that Kodak gets to have his silent leave and leave with almost a $400 million payout. So it's kind of like the bad guy loses, but really wins. Um, it's kind of like what it feels like. All right, let's move on and discuss the final question for this episode. And that's number four, what does this mean for Sony? One of the many things this deal affects uh, Sony is not only because Sony is losing out on Activision Blizzard games, um, which will harm the sales, of course, but because since the beginning of the PS4 era, Activision has been working closely with Sony on putting out games uh, marketing-wise on that platform first, most notably Call of Duty franchises. Uh, we always knew there was a contractual deal behind this these moves, but we didn't know until now what that would mean going forward for Sony. On uh, January 20th, Sony has uh, issued its first statement in the wake of Activision, uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, saying that it expects games from the latter to remain non-exclusive. Quote, we expect that Microsoft will abide by contractual agreements and continue to ensure Activision games are multi-platform, a Sony spokesperson said via the Wall Street Journal. Activision also confirmed that it will not be removing any games from other platforms as a result of the deal in an employee FAQ uh, filled with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm said it will, quote, honor all existing com uh, commitments post-closed, end quote. Then the same day, Phil Spencer tweeted, quote, had good calls this week with the leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship, end quote. Later on, in January 25th, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier reported that Activision is committed to releasing at least the next three Call of Duty games on PlayStation even after the Xbox acquisition. So according to people familiar with it, with this deal, that's Call of Duty 2022, Call of Duty 2023, and Warzone 2, which is sometime in 2023. Then no details beyond what could happen after that. It just gets fuzzy. Um, Stryer also clarifies that this contract was signed before Microsoft has come out with their purchasing deal. So best guess is, again, same with what happened over with the ZeniMax deal. Microsoft promised that their existing contracts with Sony will be fulfilled, which is, you know, time exclusivity with Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, then basically they announced that future titles such as Elder Scrolls 6, Redfall, and Starfield, to name a few, will only be on Xbox and PC exclusives. Now, one more fun fact before ending the episode. The day of the Microsoft's acquisition deal with Activision Blizzard, Sony shares fell by nearly 13%. 
And that movement represents uh, Sony's biggest drop since October 2008, and effectively wiping out $20 billion from its market valuations in a single day. Now, of course, I think investors, um, you know, are a bit uh, overreaching here. It's an over-exaggeration, I think, uh, in my opinion. In comparison, third-party publishers, including Capcom, Square Enix, EA, and Ubisoft, all saw their shares price surge following the announcement of the deal. Again, I think people um, are betting that these companies are going to get bought or something. I don't, I don't know. It's just it sounds like wild speculation. But then again, you know, some investors are just smarter gamblers in that sense. All right. And with that said, I'll end it here today. Thank you all for listening. And if you wish to follow me, you can find me at GameBizPod on Twitter. Tune in for the next episode where I'll probably talk about PlayStation's announcement to buy Bungie for $3.6 billion. Bye.